0: great to think about God's Word before we open it and read it together so um, let's, uh, let's see it enduring forever as we study it this morning. We're continuing in our series um, in John's Gospel and today we arrive at chapter 11 and it's a sure sign that a Bible passage is really well known when 2,000 years later you hear it being referred to in sports commentaries quite regularly but such is the case with today's passage um, we're going to read regarding Lazarus's comeback from the dead. Before we open our Bibles, so let's just set the scene with a, a little bit of, of geography and last week we saw Jesus had withdrawn from the capital city, Jerusalem, where the religious leaders had tried to stone him for blasphemy and it ended with Jesus travelling to an area east of the River Jordan. And as Stuart pointed out to us then, many were coming to faith in him. And there's a sense in which the countryside represented safety for Jesus, away from the politics of Jerusalem. But the events of today's passage are bringing him closer again to Jerusalem and to danger. Jesus' close friends, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, live in the village of Bethany, just two miles from Jerusalem. So to put that into kind of local geography, it's like Jesus traveling from Druridge Bay uh, on foot down to Regent Chapel with Jerusalem just being Newcastle city centre. And I don't know about you, but if there was a pitchfork mob coming for me, I'd definitely stay in Druridge Bay. So that's the scene set. We're going to hear the Bible read to us now. Anastasia is going to come and read uh, the first 44 verses of John chapter 11 thanks
1: it's a long one so you have to bear with (laughs) the death of Lazarus now a certain man was ill Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill so When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come out!" The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go."
0: Thanks, Anastasia. So, a lot happened in that passage there. But throughout John's gospel, um, we've seen Jesus revealing God's glory through signs of increasing significance. And in chapter 11, we arrive at the most significant one of all, breaking the power of death. Nothing is bigger than that. And to help us think about this passage and engage with God's word, we're going to ask three questions of the passage. Why does Jesus wait? Why does Jesus weep? And why does Jesus wake Lazarus? So perhaps the first thing that jumps out to us at the start of this passage is the detail in verse six. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What was Jesus thinking? Why delay when there was such an urgent issue to attend to? Was this some kind of callous indifference to the plight of a family he supposedly loved? Had Jesus lost his focus? Or was he just afraid to go back to near Jerusalem? it was none of those things of course Jesus purpose in waiting we're told in verse four was all about God's glory and through this he would teach the disciples and us some important lessons Jesus says clearly it will not end in death and as we saw the story unfold in our reading it didn't we learn here that as always Jesus words are to be trusted even in the bleakest of moments God's glory was about to be revealed And all through the Gospel of John, Jesus is gradually revealing to his disciples, through miracles and by his teaching, what his mission was all about. And now we're approaching the end of that ministry. This is the big lesson. It was these same disciples who would soon turn the world upside down. They were going to face death, persecution, all kinds of hardship as they took the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. These people really did need to believe that their Lord had power over death. Did they know that yet? Maybe they were starting to grasp it, but not yet fully. What about Mary and Martha? Did they know that this was going going on as they watched their brother become sick? Of course not. But Jesus waiting did not mean that God was not working. At this point in the story, we get some insight into where the disciples are in their understanding. They remind Jesus, you know, just in case he would forgotten, that he's not that popular with the leaders in Jerusalem. So when Jesus tells them that Lazarus is asleep and they're gonna go back to Jerusalem to wake him, they're understandably a bit confused. And the conversation about Lazarus's health is it's kind of a little bit comical. Jesus says, well, he's asleep. And the disciples say, well, best to let him be then, you know, let's not wake him up, nobody likes that. But perhaps they were relieved secretly <coughs> that they weren't gonna to go to Bethany towards trouble. But then in verse 14, Jesus tells them something shocking they're going to wake Lazarus from the dead Jesus tells them plainly this family's suffering is that so you may believe and this is something hard for us to understand the sisters ask for immediate help but instead they have to wait because God is working to a bigger scale forming character and faith in these disciples and in the millions of people that have read this account since A few years ago, my mum and dad um, went on holiday to Italy and early on in the holiday, they they noticed that when they came down to breakfast at 830, the staff in the hotel were already starting to tidy up around them. And that was slightly irritating because they felt a bit hassled by the whole thing. But anyway, they they ignored it and put it down to being short staffed and maybe having lots of other jobs to do. And then another day they went um, uh, on to catch a ferry for an evening cruise. But the boat had already gone by the time they got to the pier. So, my parents did a bit of grumbling about Italian timekeeping, you know, the way we Brits do, just immediately blame the foreigner. Um, they kept sort of complaining about the t- timekeeping at that point. And finally, on the last day in Italy, um, they went to catch their train back to the airport. Um, and to their dismay, they arrived at the station to discover their connection had left already. This was the final piece of evidence that Italy really had a reliability problem. My dad turned to my mum and said, Look, even the actual time printed on these tickets is wrong. It was at that point that the truth finally dawned on them it was march and the clocks had gone forward an hour at the start of their holiday they thought everyone else's timing was off and so all the events of that week's holiday were interpreted by their perspective of the correct time but it wasn't the right time it wasn't the right perspective they'd lived the whole week to their own schedule but it kept clashing with the reality of everyone else being one hour ahead it's easy to be operating to the wrong timetable not just when the clocks go forward but let's not accuse God of that mistake so with that in mind there's an important detail we need to understand about this story Lazarus death is not some trivial matter to be used merely as an illustration we're told that Lazarus was in the grave for four days and by the time Jesus arrived um, he waited two days before leaving. It was about one day's travel to to Bethany from where he was. And so we can see that Lazarus had almost certainly already died when the message came to Jesus or very soon after. And of course, Jesus knew that Lazarus was already dead. The four days was part of Jesus' plan to reveal God's glory. Scholars think this may have been related to the widely held belief at the time that the soul departed the body eh, on the third day. So after four days, there would be no doubting amongst the disciples and mourners that this was a dead person this would be a miracle without any possibility of a question mark against it so this apparent delay of Jesus wasn't through lack of care or poor timekeeping but it was working out God's purposes you know God is not asleep when things don't seem to be happening for us God is always at work I wonder if God is teaching you this morning something through a period of waiting Your prayers of please do something, God, don't seem to have been answered yet. Is there a situation in your life today where the answers that you're looking for have yet to come? You know that God is not a slot machine, but yet you find yourself asking a bit like Mary and Martha, if you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. But the problem with that perspective is that it tries to put us in control of our life, in charge of the outcomes that we want. masters of our destiny but playing God is a terrible burden to bear last week Stuart reminded us not to fret and not to fear this is what waiting for God's timing looks like and we get to see a glimpse of it in the characters in this passage take the disciple Thomas a character I can certainly relate to on Easter Sunday, if you remember, it was doubting Thomas who doesn't want to jump in with the enthusiasm of all the others. He's skeptical and he can see the downsides. And sometimes I imagine Thomas probably unfairly is a bit of a dour Scot. Aye, ah, it looks like rain. <laughs> or here in verse 16, we're off to Jerusalem. Let's just go and die and get it over with. Thomas doesn't yet understand that Jesus is Lord over life and death. He has no idea what God is doing, but he knows he loves Jesus and will follow him from this place Thomas's faith in Jesus grows according to church tradition it was Thomas that took the gospel outside of the Roman Empire to India in AD 52 where he was eventually martyred so 20 years from today's passage Thomas would be traveling far away from everything he knew to face death and danger to tell people in a foreign land about Jesus Thomas doesn't know that yet but God does And just seeing Gina and Bentley at the back there made me think of God's massive plan. Maybe it was through this passage that Thomas went to India and sowed the seeds of the gospel that led to Gina and Bentley coming to faith in Christ. And they're here today. That's the kind of timescales that God works on. Can I encourage you with that this morning? You might not understand what God is doing in your life, but like Thomas, decide you will continue to love and follow Jesus and leave the future up to him. Only God is all-knowing, only he understands fully the plans he has for us. You see, God is the best timekeeper. He created time, and so he's never late for his appointments. Some of you, if you are a little bit older, might remember an old credit card slogan, take the waiting out of wanting. Apart from being really bad financial advice, it's not a great motto to live by either we are not great at waiting though are we and with the ever-increasing speed of communications i fear that this is leading to one of the defining characteristics of our society and that is impatience in a world where we can order something on amazon on saturday night and it can arrive on sunday afternoon or in a world where you can go to the drive-through and have a meal in your hands within three minutes or you can organize a holiday of a lifetime with a few taps on your mobile. Where is the place for patient waiting in that kind of world? This is not meant to be a tirade against technology or making good use of our time, Um, but when we so rarely have to wait for things we want, it does start to create a mindset that demands instant solutions, things arriving on my terms and quickly maybe this morning you need to ask the Holy Spirit for patience to be able to endure a time of waiting remind yourself it's not because you've been forgotten but God is working out his purposes in verse 17 Jesus arrives at Bethany at just the right time and we get to listen to the conversation between him and the grief-stricken sisters so the focus shifts away from the disciples these two women in verse 5 john has already told us that these people are close jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus going through hard times does not mean god doesn't love you just as jesus has been revealing god's glory to his disciples so he now shares it with martha i am the resurrection and the life what a statement that is and throughout the book of john We've been seeing this revelation of Jesus as the life giver. Firstly, he gives life to water as he turns it into wine. He explains to Nicodemus that new spiritual life comes through new birth. He tells the woman at the well about living water that springs up to eternal life. He renews physical life to a dying boy, a paralyzed man can walk, and sight is given to a man born blind. And he's just preached in chapter 10, a sermon to the disciples about being the good shepherd who brings life to the full. And now we see it reach its culmination as Jesus reveals he is the resurrection and the life. The one not only with life-giving power, but power over death itself, the antidote to death in fact. Rachel quoted this verse already. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's clear that Lazarus has died though. in fact would die again sometime later one of the few humans i guess to experience physical death twice but jesus is pointing martha to the ultimate resurrection does martha believe she's already stated in these verses that she believed in the general jewish belief of the resurrection at the last day that would see her brother raised but here we see that belief becomes personal to her yes lord i believe you are the christ the son of god who was to come into the world. And so the question comes to us, have we personally believed in the Lord Jesus' resurrection? Romans chapter 10, famous verse says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Martha's confession was deeply personal. All the folks who've seen baptized over these last months have been deeply personal. Are you here this morning able to give that same testimony? I believe. The story moves on, and Jesus asks for Mary, and Martha goes off to get her. And now we see another surprising development in the story. Jesus, who knows what is going to happen, we've already heard him prophesy that uh, it won't end in death for Lazarus, is moved and overwhelmed by the sight of the grief of his friends. And I don't think that's a grief for Lazarus, who's about to come back to life after all the impact his death has on those around him. Jesus sees the impact of sin on those whom he loves, and he weeps. That's such a profound verse. This is Jesus identifying fully with his creation to feel and to understand the pain of sin as a man while himself being sinless. How else could God truly identify with his creation without having this ground level? experience the Greek word here is translated as deeply moved and troubled and it's more associated with anger Jesus was outraged in spirit to put it another way death is outrageous it's not right and we often sense that when we attend a funeral don't we here the creator of life itself is faced with the ultimate anti-creation event the loss of life in Mary's grief, the evil of death and its unnaturalness naturalness are made clear. This is what Jesus had come to destroy, and so Jesus wept. And although the verse, Jesus wept, sadly, is now used in scorn as an expletive even, it's a verse that reveals God's heart to his people in just two words. Jesus, the creator, fully man and fully God, stopped to weep. So what is it we want Jesus to do in this situation? Well, raise Lazarus from the dead, of course. But if Jesus was just an instant fixer of our problems, you know, if he got the message about Lazarus being ill and then merely said a word without even going to Bethany, which he could have done, yes, he would be all powerful, but a distant remote power only. And if Jesus just turned up at the funeral, if he was just another sympathetic friend, well, that would be a comfort to the sisters There would be no resolution to their loss. But here is the great thing about our God of love. He draws alongside us in both empathy and power to put things right. He is both the friend who is closer than a brother and the Lord of all who sustains the universe. And we see all that displayed in Jesus' conversation with Mary. I suppose the sad reality we see in this passage and we shouldn't pretend that it isn't there is that all of us have or will experience deep grief in our lives probably a few people here will know that my dad died just over two years ago and then last summer my close friend Caleb of of 30 years died from cancer but that is not a remarkable set of events that I am conveying sadly That's, that's normal everyday life many of you will have known the same and deeper grief than me i can testify that jesus empathy and comfort is real it doesn't make it vanish but it is real later in john's gospel jesus talks of the holy spirit as a comforter who will come when he departs and christians over the century have given testimony to the truth of that but jesus is the resurrection of life and so the hope of a future reunion is tangible at a christian funeral it was amazing to hear Caleb's wife Kate say at the funeral last summer as we talked with her at the end of the service that the atmosphere was so joyful and full of hope even amongst the sadness and tears that it almost felt like a wedding and I knew exactly what she meant one day there will be a wedding in heaven and Jesus Bride the church made up of followers like you and me and Mary and Martha and Lazarus we'll be there in these two conversations we see two very different approaches to Jesus Martha comes straight out to meet Jesus with her questions and Mary comes later with her tears and Jesus is totally okay with both different responses but going in the same direction to Jesus they knew that he would make sense of life and bring hope to any situation I wonder when we are at our our lowest filled with anxiety or tears where do we turn to is it the sympathy of friends is it escapism in alcohol or drugs the biggest bar of chocolate anything to distract us maybe do we turn to something or to someone this passage gives us an insight into a savior who shares our feelings and emotions In times of grief despair and loss we can almost forget who we are but jesus is there he has been this way already he understands
1: it's fitting that before jesus goes to the cross he performs a miracle involving
0: a tomb and a man being raised to life in verse 38 jesus faces up to death as he stands before the sealed tomb of lazarus Death is the ultimate outcome for the human condition. The wages of sin is death. It's a fair salary that we've all earned. But as we've noted several times, there is hope at the heart of this story. Mary and Martha both sum it up so well. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, if Jesus is there, this will not happen to you. Jesus paid the debt on the cross we owe for our sins. And so while we might experience the physical death that Lazarus did, our ultimate fate is resurrection. Everybody loves a comeback story, don't they? One of the joys of watching sport is seeing the fading star player coming back for one last shot at the title. Can Andy Murray or Roger Federer come back this summer and win Wimbledon for one last time? I think for Andy it's all over, I'm afraid. (laughs) Football fans this week have been kind of Amazed another Lazarus-like comeback in the football in the Champions League. Real Madrid were losing by two goals with just seconds left of their semi-final against Manchester City, and yet somehow they managed to win an amazing comeback. And yes, Lazarus was mentioned by the commentator. But our back from the dead sporting heroes are just a pale imitation of what God has achieved. The resurrection is the pivotal point of Christianity, where death is overcome and victory is won and Lazarus is a foretaste of that. These are the most important issues in life. What happens when we die and can we avoid death? The Apostle Paul points out how Christianity stands or falls on the truth of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's listen to these verses, they're really powerful. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. if only for this life we have hope in Christ we are of all people most to be pitied you see what's at stake here without the resurrection of Jesus our faith is useless our preachers and teachers are liars we are still in our sins those who have died already are lost and we should really be pitied amongst all people the resurrection is pivotal to christianity c.s lewis puts it in a similar way christianity if false is of no importance and if true is of infinite importance the one thing it cannot be is moderately important but look here is the good news here's the good news listen to what paul then goes on to say but christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man for as in Adam all die so in Christ all will be made alive amen to that Jesus power is no longer hidden in this section of John chapter 11 this is not the Jesus of the parables with the hidden meanings this is God's power unleashed first comes the command to open the cave by moving the stone in spite of the protests of those pointing out decay will have set in then there's the reminder of his promises did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God and that's still true today by the way when we believe in Jesus we get to see the glory of God and that's part of the reason why we're found in this place week after week we've seen a bit of God's glory and we want to sing about it Then in verse 41, there's the prayer of faith so that all those around would be certain that Jesus was sent from God. And it's worth pausing to note that Jesus prays publicly before the miracle occurs. It's notable too that Jesus' power to raise from the dead is a given. Last week we saw Jesus say, the Father is in me and I in the Father. The reason for the prayer is to bring people to a knowledge of the truth that Jesus was sent by the Father. And that is a prayer god loves to answer show people that jesus is the son of god and increase their faith is that a prayer that you pray often lord show my friends my family my work colleagues who jesus really is lord please increase my faith when was the last time i prayed those prayers we might sometimes doubt that we're on the same wavelength as god we're often aware of our sin and we might doubt if god will hear us but remember we have the same jesus of this chapter 11 interceding for us in heaven we are heard because jesus is heard finally the story reaches a crescendo lazarus come out and here we see in verses 43 and 44 a literal example of the sheep hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd and coming out Lazarus knew Jesus was the Good Shepherd and so he walked out of that tomb so what was the primary purpose of this miracle why did Jesus wake Lazarus yes to alleviate the suffering of Mary and Martha but ultimately to give God glory and increase the faith of those watching of course that did mean that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had to go through the pain of Lazarus death and the nature of God's love is revealed in this event it's not like the love of an indulgent parent who gives into every request of their child God's purpose is to make us holy and that might mean there'll be times where we won't be happy Romans 5 puts it like this we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character And character hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us you see at just the right time when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly so we can expect through god's love for us that things will come into our lives which if we were left our own devices we would not choose and I guess we can all see the wisdom of that we can see that for a parent we might call it tough love but it can be hard to endure I was reminded of an example of that um, wise parental love from my childhood Um, I really wanted to go and watch my team Aberdeen in a cup semi-final sorry all the football references Um, the trouble was the match was in Dundee and I lived in Glasgow so I persuaded my oldest brother to take me but my dad said no I couldn't go and I was furious it was a proper 12 year old temper tantrum slamming doors and huffing the full works um, the weekend came and Aberdeen won the match 3-0 which didn't break my mood any it wasn't until the newspaper arrived on the Monday go back to that space being 1986 you had to wait two days before you could read the match report guys really that that was a thing um that the story of the widespread crowd trouble became clear the report which I found on the internet said running battles took place in various parts of the city center at pubs and shops on roadways even a children's play park was used in a confrontation as the fragmented groups of football gangs went at each other this was the height of football hooliganism in Scotland in the 1980s And it seemed my dad knew more about football than I realized. You know, my dad was right on that occasion, and our Heavenly Father always knows what's best for us. Our reading ends with Jesus saying, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And this is what Jesus is still doing today, raising people to new life. When we die, our bodies will decay. But those that have believed in Jesus as the resurrection and the life their soul will be with them until the day when that great final Resurrection happens Lazarus came out of the tomb to be with Jesus and his sisters again later he would die once more and his spirit taken to be with Jesus but one day his body will be raised again Lazarus was and is indestructible and so are you Jesus says he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this Let's just summarize briefly. Jesus waits, but this didn't mean he wasn't working. God is never not working out his purposes. Jesus wept. He shows up to comfort the broken-hearted. He's not distant or uncaring, and his tears are real jesus understands whatever you're going through he is the god who is near he is the savior who is here jesus wakes but with jesus we don't just get sympathy and empathy we get resurrection power and new life i am the resurrection and the life jesus asked a direct question to martha and he's asking it again today do you believe this Maybe this morning you are in a period of waiting or a period of weeping. But if you are a follower of Jesus, take hope there is coming that moment of waking.
1: <laughs>
2: If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd tried, were you otherwise occupied? Were you hiding, biding your time? For what? A deeper challenge? A grander entrance? A brighter glory? A better story? The nick of time is a good story. That would do. Eleventh hour, you'd come through. Midnight, you were due. Now it's us past two. Where were you? If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You were meant to ride in on the white horse, enter the fray, the dragon slay, save the day. Did you hear us pray? Did you want it this way? If you'd been here to stop him dying, why are you crying? You're meant to be death defying. Why are you sighing at the tomb, decrying mortal ruin? Why in God's name are you queuing for the same? Your commander Commander-in-Chief. We demanded relief. Now you landed beneath all our sorrows and grief. Now it's you on your knees, empty-handed, bequeathing as none of our pleas. Is this what you chose? To bring only tears? we got plenty of those. Why are you here? You say to draw near. And then to sink like a stone past the brink of the chasm we desperately fear. In darkness enfolded, our terrors you shouldered while pierced by the nails and the spear. You have been here. You've stooped far below all depths that we know, engulfed in our weeping and woe. Submerged in the grave, then risen to save, upending assumptions we'd made. See, if you'd been here the way that we prayed, we'd only succeed in death's delayed. We'd only evade the reaper for now, but soon we would bow. Soon we'd be plowed in the ground with no one to please. Yet through you, death's a gardener, and we are the seed. And this is the path resurrection decreed. If you will be here, drawing near, that will do. For now, to know you in your grace, we can face what is true. As in Adam, the world dies. So in Christ, all will rise. When you appear, my brother too, when wipe away tears, when darkness clears, when morning has cheered, when joy swallows fear, here's how we'll cope. This our true hope, you will be here.